and it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to this morning's broadcast. Glad you could join us. This morning, qualities to cultivate in our prayer lives from Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. And now, with our message this morning, is Pastor Robert Elliott. New and improved prayer, evangelism, and talk is our title this morning. And it seems to me that if Christ is in your house, your neighbors will soon know it. There is a African proverb that came about when the gospel first went to the continent and believers began to trust Jesus to be their savior, they would walk on grass paths to a certain place where they would spend time alone with God each day. And the saying became this, brother, the grass grows on your path. And when an African Christian said to another African Christian, brother or sister, the grass grows on your path, they were really saying, you're neglecting prayer. You're not wearing the grass out, walking to a place of prayer each day. When Christ is in your home, your neighbors soon know it because you become a person of prayer. But that's not all. When Christ is in your house and your neighbors know it, you also become a person of evangelism. Evangelism is simply telling others about Jesus, who he is and what he's done for them. Evangelism is described by some as being one beggar telling another beggar where to find the bread of life. Are you doing that? Could you do that better? When Christ is in your house, your neighbors will know it, not just with your prayer and not just with your evangelism, but they should know it through your talk. Will Rogers, the American humorist of a bygone time, said this, think about it, you should be able to sell your parrot to the town gossip. You should be able to have such a clean mouth such an uplifting speech that a parrot that wants to mimic everything he hears you say, you could sell that bird to the town gossip and the town gossip would have nothing to gossip about. You see, when Christ is in your home, your neighbors will know it by how you pray, by how you share Christ, and by how you talk. And so this message, based on Colossians 4, 2 to 6, is new and improved prayer, new and improved evangelism, and new and improved talk. I hope you will recall that in the early part of uh, the verses leading up to today's, we saw in Colossians that Jesus Christ, if you're a believer, should be your focus. Also, Jesus Christ should be your identity. And thirdly, Jesus Christ should be your life. Focus, identity, and life. And when Jesus Christ is the believer's focus, is the believer's identity, and is the believer's life, then things get new and improved. And we saw in previous verses to today's paragraph, clothes to put off in the closet, as it were, and clothes to put on every day to live differently because Christ is our focus and our identity and our life. And so with the paragraph before us this morning, verses 2 to 6 of Colossians chapter 4, we could alliterate the three points of this message something like this. Number one is a call on God in prayer. 
Number two is to challenge the lost with a changed life. And number three is to chat with winsome wisdom. I'll repeat. Call on God in prayer. That's new and improved prayer. Second, challenge the lost with a changed life. That's new and improved evangelism. And third, chat with winsome wisdom. That is new and improved talk. So let's get on with looking at these three points this morning. Starting with call on God in prayer. Call on God in prayer. This is new and improved prayer. If you know Christ as Lord and Savior, then you should be new and improved to how you ever prayed before you became a Christian. Now I lay me down to sleep. Rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub. We should have new and improved prayers because we're new and improved in Christ. Verses two to four, Colossians four. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Praying at the same time for us as well that God will open up to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I have also been imprisoned. That I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. New and improved prayer. Call on God in prayer. Will you notice with me there are four characteristics that are put forward to us for proper new and improved praying. Four characteristics. From verse two, the first is tenacity. We should be tenacious in our praying. See the first part of verse two? Devote yourselves to prayer. The Greek word which is translated devote here means to be earnest toward, to persevere in, to be constantly diligent in, to stick closely to, to be tireless in. My dad is not a diabetic. I know some of you are diabetics, and you must eat certain times of the day. You can't miss a meal. My dad is not diabetic, but he can't miss one meal in a day. So when he retired, my mother said, Dawn, I married you for better or for worse, but not for lunch. (laughs) My dad needs a meal three times a day. He's diligent about it. He's devoted to eating three meals a day. He persists in it. He's constantly diligent about it. He's tireless about finding those meals. We must have that same kind of tenacity about prayer. We must go for it. We must not be discouraged about going for it. We must be definite about having times of prayer. Number two, new and improved prayer in the first place has a tenacity about it. In the second place, it has alertness about it. We should be alert in prayer. Do you see still in verse 2, keeping alert in it. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it. That is, we are not distracted. We are not dull. We are not sleeping at the switch. We are alert about our world, how to pray for the world at this time. What a world to pray for at this time. What's going on in our church? To be alert to pray for what is going on in Milford Bible Church. To be alert to what's going on in the people you love. Your husband or your wife, your children or your grandchildren. Or your spiritual children you've led to Christ. Be alert in prayer. Know what's going on. 
Be alert of your, into your own heart. When we confess sin in the pastoral prayer each Sunday morning, I certainly hope that's not the only time of prayer in your week when you get quiet before the Lord and ask the Holy Spirit to flood the searchlight of his conviction into the nooks and crannies of your lives to see if there's unconfessed sin. We must be alert in prayer. Third, not only should we have tenacity in prayer and alertness in prayer, but we should have thankfulness in prayer. This would be thankfulness in prayer. You see it there with an attitude of thanksgiving. Verse two, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Someone has wisely said that one's altitude is determined by one's attitude. Our altitude is determined by our attitude. And the most wonderful way that we can praise God, serve God, be near to God, be useful to God, is to be thankful. To be thankful to God. Look at verse three. Praying at the same time for us as well that God will open up to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I have also been in prison. When Paul was moved by the Holy Spirit to write the book of Colossians, he was in jail. But he was thankful. He was shackled. But he was grateful. He was not free to go wherever he wanted to say whatever he wanted to say, but he could find a way to bless God and be thankful to God, even for that circumstance. And surely if the Apostle Paul could be grateful in prison, then we can be grateful wherever we find ourselves. Thyra Bjorn told the story of accompanying her pastor dad one evening to the shack of a poverty-stricken old man. He was crippled with age, pain, Yet he offered to them what hospitality that he could. They said they would like to pray with him, and the old man's face came alive with radiant joy. In the midst of the agony of his present life, he knew a Savior that was all he needed, and he was so grateful for everything that came from the Savior's hand. He didn't ask God for anything in prayer as he prayed with the pastor and his daughter. Instead, he thanked God in great detail for all the things he was aware of, his shack, his warm bed, his visitors that night, for everything that was a part of his seemingly cramped and limited existence, he gave thanks to God. And when he finished, he looked as happy and as contented as though he had no discomforts or deprivations whatsoever. The daughter, who's reporting this in her book, started walking home from the shack with her pastor dad. It was a dark and a cold fall evening. And the pastor turned to his daughter and says, see down there in the valley, the light? That's the light that's burning in our parsonage. And he encouraged her to give her attention to the light as they were walking home. And then it occurred to little Thyra that this is very much a metaphor or a picture of what she saw with the old man in his shack. She understood that the old man had seen and continued to see the light of his eternal home in heaven, and that's what informed all his thanksgiving on the way to getting there. We take the time now to invite you, the members of the public and members of our own Calvary Bible Church, to a presentation on the much-discussed Genders Equality Bill and Referendum. 
This will be held this coming Friday, May 27th at 7 p.m. in our sanctuary located at 62 Collins Avenue. Leading the discussion will be our own Brian Marie. Apart from being a born-again Christian and Sunday school teacher, Brian was admitted to the Bahamas Bar in 1979. He is presently the senior partner in the law firm of McKinney, Bancroft & Hughes. He's also head of the litigation department and dispute resolution. Brian also has vast experience in commercial law. He is a noted lecturer and examiner in civil procedure, and he also served as chairperson of the Arbitration Tribunal. Appointed as Queen's Counsel in 2009, Brian also serves as a judge. So you can see he's well able to present to us the implications of the upcoming referendum and attached bills. And now, today's personal God story. Well, I grew up in Calvary Bible Church, uh, attended Sunday school church. My grandmother was a choir director. Uh, all of my family was really involved in church. So when I was younger, I believed that I could get to heaven by just my parents and my grandparents. They were Christian, so therefore I believed I was a Christian. So that all changed when I was about 10 years old. I went to the Word of Life Ranch in Scroon Lake, New York, and it was during an altar call. I realized that I needed to make my faith my own. My faith wasn't my parents' faith or my grandparents' faith. So I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. I understood that He came to earth and died for my sins in order for me to be saved, that I needed to believe that for myself. So my life changed for a short period of time after that. I went off to college and I went to a Christian college, Cedarville University. And my freshman semester there, I rededicated my life to Christ. So being at a Christian college, it was very easy to, for my faith to grow, as well as I had my grandmother to help my faith grow as well. She was a very strong influence in my life. So throughout that time, I went through a lot of trials and tribulations, but my faith did grow. I was sick often, but I found that my faith was growing. So it was about my junior year that my grandmother got sick and I moved home and I was her caretaker and I really found myself angry with God, why he made her sick, why he would make someone sick that was the biggest influence in my life. And then she passed away in June of 2014. And I found myself really angry with God. I shut him out completely. I was at a Christian college and taking all of these Bible classes, but I didn't want anything to do with God at all. So I shut him out. I said, I don't want anything to do with him. And then I moved back home and I was still struggling when I came back home. Still didn't want anything to do. I wouldn't come to church. I didn't want to do with anything to do with God. I wouldn't sing because she loved to sing. So I just ran away from it. And my dad actually recommended that I go and speak with Sister Helen Arnett at the Christian Counseling Center. And I went to a few meetings with her and she really helped to put me back on the right path 
just to kind of tell me, you know, hey, your grandmother would love for you to be growing in your faith, you know. So she kind of pushed me towards that and she made me realize that even when my grandmother was sick, she was still praising God. And she knew that when she died, she knew where she was going and she was at peace. So, and that's ultimately what I wanted my life to be like. So that's what pushed me to rededicate my life and get baptized. My name is Anissa Aubrey. Today's Help for the Hearing segment is brought to you by Calvary Bible Church's Christian Counseling Center. The center is located at 58 Collins Avenue, Nassau, Bahamas. If you would like an appointment or more information, dial 323-7000. That's 323-7000. Or email them at cccbahamas at gmail.com. And now, the Executive Director of the Christian Counseling Center, Pastor Frederick Arnett. And good morning and thank you for having us in your homes again this morning. In the studio with me uh, is Deborah Arnett. Last time we asked a question, I'd like to ask that question again. And the question was, what is one of the greatest challenges impacting the quality of parent-child relationship in our country today and uh, she will continue with answering that question. Deborah? Well as I mentioned last week um, I think the greatest challenge based on my observations and interactions with children and adolescents has been the issue of there being a loss or the losing of honor within our homes and within our interactions between a parent and a child. And so I've found a lot of adolescents are struggling to honor their parents because of different things that they've observed. So last week we mentioned the observation of hypocrisy where their parents are not um, walking in their words, they're mm-hmm. living in conflict with what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, the lack of integrity, so a parent will admit, you know, they don't abide by certain things, but this child may be exposed to different community activities or organizations that promote the very things that the parent is not necessarily advocating. Mm -hmm. Also cultural attitudes. Um, There are a number of individuals within the media who will mock parenting. There are a number of shows within the media that will mock parent-child interactions and the role of a parent and the importance of honoring parents. And then I also mentioned the absence of parents, not just physically, but emotionally and even spiritually, Mm -hmm. where parents are not as engaged emotionally and spiritually with their children. And sometimes it's simply because they don't feel as if they have the tools to engage their children, particularly as their children grow and develop and become adolescents that ask a lot of questions or challenge their authority. Um, They tend to become more removed and just give instructions and distance themselves emotionally and spiritually from their children because they don't know what to do with the child. Um, And then I mentioned two other factors, and those were the parent's approach to the child. So if the parent takes an approach where they're utilizing fear, power, and force in a way to control that child, in a way to lord over that child, and sometimes even in a provoking fashion, ultimately that atrophies honor. And so you'll find a lot of adolescents describe experiences where their parents have used force that was excessive. And in response to that, that adolescent has developed a lack of respect for their parent over the course of time because they feel as if their parent does not love them and does not respect them. And then finally, I mentioned that the use of words, in other words, a parent uses words and 
they're not words of life, they're words of death. So the parent is saying a lot of unconstructive things. They may not be cursing out their children, but they are not speaking life over their children. Mm -hmm. And in response to that, the child finds it difficult to relate with the parents. But I think that there are two important truths that need to be held um, and uh, embraced by an adolescent or a child with regards to their parents. No matter what their parents are doing, no matter how their parents behave, honor is not optional. Right. right. So it's not, hey, my mom's good, so I'm going to honor her. Hey, my mom does these things, and she's a hypocrite, so I have the right to dishonor her. Honor is essential. Yes. And there are a number of young people who have dishonored parents that they thought were not honorable enough. And if they were to sit with us today, they would describe their regret for ignoring the instructions of their parents. I've sat with young men that would describe how their fathers weren't necessarily walking in integrity in the way that they related with their mothers. But then when that young man were considering um, pursuing a specific relationship with a specific girl, the father would step up and speak up and say, you know, I don't really think this girl would be the best person for you. Mm -hmm. And in reaction, the son would start to think about his father's example and his father's history and come to the conclusion, well, who are you to speak to me about this? Right. And dismiss what the father has to say. And there's a specific young man that I can think about right now um, who articulated a great deal of regret for ignoring his father mm -hmm. because his father was right on target. His father knew, right. although he didn't live it out. And then the other point that I think is very important um, to articulate is that we don't age out of honor. Um, because we're adults, it doesn't become acceptable for us to be dishonoring. Right. Um, to assume, well, you know, my dad, he's an old man and he doesn't know anything and this is what I'm going to do and I'm just going to do it this way and he always did it that way, that doesn't work. I think it is extremely important, no matter how old we are as adults, that we honor our parents right. because our kids are watching us. Yes. Also, God, if you have an intimate relationship with God, he is watching and observing the way that you are relating with your parents. And there are a number of stories told within our culture where an adult child will behave in a fashion that dishonors his or her parent, um, whether it be removing them from the home and placing them in a community care facility and taking over the home, and that parent just withering in response to this, the dishonor that was shown to them. Or even just simple acts of speaking to them with disrespect, dishonor, Dishonoring your parents is unacceptable, no matter how old you are. Yes, um, I recall saying to my children, as long as you're in my home, I expect you to respect me as the father. In other words, you are my child, even if you're 100 years old and I'm 160, you're still my child. So I, I can really appreciate that. Thank you very much. Uh, Deborah for sharing with us again this morning. It's time for answers to your questions. We urge you to take a moment and get a pen and paper and take down the references used so that you can do your own study later on. We here at Echoes of Calvary are always excited to receive your letters of support and your questions which we seek to answer right away and also here on the show. You can send us your letters at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com. Once again, here is Pastor Robert Elliott. Here's the question. What should we think about police investigators consulting spiritists 
mediums, clairvoyants, witches, to try to solve crimes. Well, all those above mentioned categories of people, spiritists, mediums, clairvoyants, witches, undeniably do have power. All of them do have power. The question is, from where do their powers come? Well, in Leviticus, the Old Testament book of Leviticus, chapter 19, verse 31, it tells us, Do not turn to mediums or spiritists. Do not seek them out to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. And then, still in Leviticus, chapter 20, verse 27, Now a man or a woman who is a medium or a spiritist shall surely be put to death They shall be stoned with stones. Their blood guiltiness is upon them. God doesn't approve of mediums and spiritists. You know why? Because they do what they do, not drawing upon God's power, but actively, consciously drawing upon Satan's power. We do know, don't we, that Satan has power. He has power inferior to God's power. He has power to do many evil things. He has no power to create anything, but he has power to do evil. And spiritists and mediums and clairvoyants and witches do what they do, drawing upon the evil, real power of Satan. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 18, verse 11. Actually, let me pick it up at 10. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire, one who uses divination or one who practices witchcraft or who interprets omens or a sorcerer or one who casts a spell or a medium or a spiritist or one who calls up the dead. God says that activity, that satanic and demonic activity has no part in the believer's thinking or problem solving. Because the power that these individuals draw upon, albeit real power, is evil power, satanic and demonic power. What do I think about police investigators consulting spiritists, mediums, clairvoyants, witches to solve their crimes? <laughs> Satan doesn't rat on himself. Satan doesn't turn himself in. Satan is a liar and a deceiver, and I think it's foolhardy and unbiblical for any police investigation to consult any godless, satanic, demonic, empowered person who claims to be able to solve crimes. You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship services are at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. in our sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N16. 84 Nassau Bahamas And remember everyone needs a savior